we are in what is called ordinary time, the season after Pentecost, during which we will learn about the life of Jesus and the expectation in the Christian life in more than just holiday settings. We pick up in the 10th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning in the 40th verse, but before actually beginning the message on our text, I want to let everybody who is at home listening that I wish to restart the Sunday morning chapel service next Sunday, the 5th of July, has been postponed due to the resurgence of the coronavirus infection rate and its effect on the public access to our Swordbearer bearer Chapel meeting place at the VFW. Updates will be provided as we are able to resume regular times of worship together. Now then, turn our attention to the text. As it is brief, I will repeat it here. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet receives a prophet's reward. The one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of the ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Over the past few weeks, the entire world has been exposed to what those in the army call second and third order or cascading effects. In my opinion, the term cascading effects is much more accurate and a suitable placement for second and third order as a way to describe the phenomena in that many people subconsciously thought that they only had to look and try to determine two or three layers of possible outcomes. Anyone who is not aware of the concept, cascading effects are those unintended consequences that are stimulated from whatever initiating action occurs. To give an example, when mission planning, the cascade effects have to be considered, and if you do not have an engineer involved in your mission, therefore do not take into consideration that a heavily armored vehicle exceed the road capacity, you destroy the road that you did not intend to destroy, a second order effect. And if that road is in an old urban area, the destroyed road, not adequate protection for the sanitation infrastructure underneath, the effect is broken sewer pipes, a third order effect. The next effect, a broken sewer pipe floods the streets of a residential area with raw sewage, and you're now past third and realizing the considerations are actually cascading and they continue. And an unknown untold number of local people who are now in a position they cannot leave and are subjected to living in sewage, a previously neutral come to support the enemy that you're fighting, the next cascading effect. And you can continue to trace how one event can have negative cascading far beyond what was ever imagined. May 25th of this year, 2020, a now fired and facing criminal charges, police officer named Derek Chauvin showed willing and wanton guard for the life of George Floyd, grossly misused a controversial restraint technique, and killed Mr. Floyd in the process. There were immediate tests concerning the status of policing in America, highlighting inequality, both real and 
and how the police engage with the white population and how the police engage the population. It's the start of cascading effects. From that on, it became difficult to trace where... Skips a step. And these protests quickly expanded to concerns, both real and perceived, of inequality and racism. It was then the cascading effects. And it is from here, at that point, it becomes difficult where each of the subsequent cascading effects split off from the main effort. What can safely be said is that when the cascading effects reached the point where Staff General Grant, who led the army destroying the Confederacy and freeing the slaves, are destroyed, this is no longer about the police. When statues of Theodore Roosevelt, who, seeing the prejudice of the command structure of the black regiment, fighting valiantly up San Juan Hill, alongside his Rough Riders, used his Washington influence to ensure black soldiers were awarded the medals they earned, just like the white soldiers were, who initiated the very first civil service test in the United States in order to facilitate the minorities into the New York Police Department, and many other actions demonstrating his commitment to quality that was instilled in him by his Christian faith. This is no longer about the police. And possibly the most egregious and ironic monument of the 54th Massachusetts, a regiment of black free men fighting for the union, help and the enslavement of those in the South is defaced. You know that the cascading effects have created a sea change shift, and this is not about concerns police anymore. When churches are being vandalized and defaced, it's not police anymore. And when all the all around the world there are pro violence, vandalism, and looting, all of which are being claimed to be rooted in the George Floyd killing, it is only not about the police in America, or any lingering systemic effects of the practice of slavery in the United States anymore. And let us make clear that this is a massive corporate national sin. First Timothy 9-11 through 11 declares that those who practice slavery are among the ungodly, sinners, unholy, and profane, who practicing that which, who are practicing that which is contrary to the gospel. Unless anyone, this is a New Testament change to what was allowed in the Old Testament, Exodus 21.16 makes it absolutely clear otherwise, where it states, whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. There's no question about it. Slavery is evil and condemned by God. It also still exists and is going on all around the world. And that is something that needs to be protested. Hate gives birth to hate, and that gives birth to hate, and that gives birth to hate, and it does not end unless there is direct intervention. Even then, it's extremely hard to stop. And because of this, these cascading effects that spin off so greatly and far from the point of origin, whatever good might have been initiated, might have been accomplished, ends up being mitigated, or ultimately destroyed itself. But there is another way. Napoleon Bonaparte is reported to have said, I know men, and I tell you that Jesus is not a man. Superficial minds see a semblance between Christ and the founders of empires and the gods of other religions. 
that resemblance does not exist. There is the distance of infinity. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires. But on what do we rest the creation of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. I marvel that whereas the ambitious dreams of myself, Caesar, and Alexander should have vanished into thin air, a Judean peasant, Jesus, should be able to stretch his hand across centuries and control the destinies of men and nations. Napoleon, Caesar, and Alexander are still remembered and even studied, but nobody follows them anymore. Their ambitious dreams have, as Napoleon said, vanished into thin air. But the kingdom of God initiated on earth by Jesus Christ persists. It persists even when occasionally damaged and mismanaged and even internally betrayed because at its core it is founded upon, as Napoleon so rightly observed, love. In the gospel according to John, we have the words of Jesus recorded when he said, A new commandment I give to you, that you are to love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that command, when followed, initiates a different set of cascading effects. Whoever receives you receives me. Who is the you? Well, he was speaking to the disciples. What would the disciples be receiving? Why would the disciples be received when their message was contrary to the status quo and the Christians were being persecuted? Because they displayed love. And in the oppressive Roman occupation, that was a message that was completely countercultural and attractive to many. And then who is the me? Well, that's Jesus, of course. When you see the love of the disciples, you see the love of God. Because Jesus said, if you receive the disciple, you receive me and you receive the one who sent me. So this all gets rooted back to God. A series of cascading effects, of cascading acceptance. When that motivates you to receive the disciples and the message of the love of God, the result is you receive Jesus and you receive God. What, but, excuse me, but it is not limited to those, those who were the disciples. If so, then Christianity would have only lasted a single generation. Those who first heard that message and those that received them. Instead, there is a cascading effect of the love of God. The next effect in the cascade is that the one who receives the prophet receives the prophet's reward. Who is the prophet? The one spreading the gospel of the kingdom of God known through Jesus. What is the prophet's reward? Being made a member of that kingdom. What is the message of the prophet? Repent, receive God's grace and mercy, and live a righteous life. This is the next of our cascading effects. It is the person who receives the righteous person, the one who was made righteous through the receiving of the prophet, who receives the righteous person's reward. 
That person who received the prophet, the message of knowing God through Jesus, the one who repented, received God's grace and mercy and lives a righteous life, what's his reward? Well, it's the same as the prophet's entry into the kingdom of God. So then the person who receives the righteous one is part of the next of the cascading effects, extending the kingdom of God further and further and further. And finally, in this particular list of effects is that the one who gives a cup of cold water to the disciple because he is a disciple will by no means lose his reward. We already know the reward, gaining admission to the kingdom of heaven. How is it done? By giving a cup of cold water, by meeting a need, by extending a blessing by which you have been blessed, by alleviating the sufferings of another, by showing the love that Jesus commands to the one in need, the love that Jesus commands is, in effect, shown to Jesus. Jesus explains how all of this works when he describes what it will be like to face the final judgment. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. This allows us to see that it's actually Jesus talking about himself so we could equally read this. Then Jesus will say to those on his right, come to you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. And Jesus will answer them. Truly I say to you, As you did it for one of the least, you did it for me. You see, there will always be, for good or for evil, cascading effects in this world. The only way we can make change for the better is to get involved and be part of the cascading effect of the love of Christ. Amen.